And welcome to the out hour. Excuse the introductions. The, our normal intro slide froze as I hit the play button, so you're going to have to make do with me. Just me on your screen saying good evening and welcome to the outer hour. Thank you for joining us. It's good to be with you. I'm Tom London, your host this evening and every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Tonight, we've got three of our team members on board. Let me show you all three, shall we? Uh, let's say hello. Uh, to Julius Kleinans, who joins us from his home office. Hello, Julius. How's it going? Uh, very good in all of you. It's good to be back for a change. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, it's Looking forward to the show. Been a while, and we've missed you, so it's nice to see you on the screen this evening. Rudy Heineke joins us. Uh, Rudy will be uh, discussing Dudumiani and former SAA board member Yaka Quinana's testimony tonight. How's it, Rudy? How are you? Good evening, Tom, and good evening to all the outer supporters and listeners and viewers out there. Uh, interesting times at the Zondo Commission this week, so uh, I think we will have a, a very nice discussion tonight. Hasn't it just been? And then last but definitely not least, Andrea Korf joins us to bring us up to date on the Milneton Lagoon project. Hello, Andrea. How's it going? Hi. Good evening, Tom, and good evening, everybody. It's going well with me. It's going great. Great news to share tonight. So I'm excited for that, and I'm excited for what the future holds for this specific project. So can't wait to share the ecstatic news with everybody tonight. Laka, that's the team. That's who you're chatting with this evening. We're going to put a bit more time to comments and questions tonight, as we normally do. I think we're going to have quite a nice relaxed hour as we chat about the goings-on in South Africa when it comes to tax abuse and maladministration. So, welcome to you, wherever you find yourself this evening. Thank you for joining me. And what we normally do on a Wednesday night when we start the show is we say hello to who's on board. Now, let me tell you, behind the scenes, we've got Ivor Cleary, who's man in the outer handle in the comment section as you interact with outer in the comment section tonight know that you're chatting with Ivor Cleary. Samantha van Nispen is on leave at the moment. Banele Sanatla has produced the show and I got to say a big thank you to Fakile who gave me one of these today. And I know everybody, everybody wants an orange mask, and I'll be telling you how to get your orange mask in just a moment. That coming up on the show, as well as a website address you can go to to get your orange mask. Alta has an online shop. Isn't that cool? Okay, let's say hello to you as you join us this evening, wherever you're joining us from. Just say how's it in the comment section. It's becoming a bit of a tradition. Some people have got a lot to say, and some just say hello, and then spend the rest of the time watching the program. So, first up this evening is Judy van Gilsveik, who says good evening all. Hello, Judy. Nice to have you on board. Good to see you in the room. Esme van Heerden says, good evening, outer team. Nice to see Esme's name there. These are regular viewers, in fact, becoming like family on the show. Devotion Moodley, hello, outer rageous peeps. How's it, Devotion? Good to see your name on the screen. John Orska says, hi, all looking forward to tonight. Jeff P. Scottsky says, good evening, Justice Warriors. Ah, Andrea Korf is not only on your screen tonight, she's also in the room. Andrea says, good evening, everybody. Nosipo Matanzima says, evening, everybody. Hi, Nosipo, good to have you on board. And Jeff Scott says, watch Zuma also declining to talk at the Zondo Commission. Well, we will be chatting about the Zondo Commission tonight for sure. Uh, what an interesting week this, this has been. I've got to give you some advice. Last night... I was, I, like I think a lot of people, I'm trying to check the American election results every five minutes. 
and um, I, I, I popped my headphone, plugged, put my phone onto NBC live streaming, popped my headphones in my ears, turned the volume up real loud so I didn't miss anything, and I fell asleep at about one o'clock this morning. Woke up at seven o'clock with the NBC live stream still blaring in my ears. Now I don't know what that does to a human being subliminally, but I haven't felt myself today. So I don't recommend falling asleep listening to the live American election updates with your headphones plugged in your ears. But isn't that interesting? As if that isn't the most interesting thing in the news, along comes the Zondo Commission. Along comes the testimony of two uh, two people this week who Twitter, I just I'm was reading some of the Twitter comments. Twitter's going mad about going, hold on a moment. What's going on here? Our time is being wasted. And for sure, we will talk about that tonight. Okay, we catch up with a couple of uh, hellos quickly. Yochi Folun says, hi from Fairland, just down the road from where I live. Hi, Yochi, you're a neighbor, man. Chris Van Black says, hello, Alta. Hi, Chris, nice to have you on board. Colleen Hendrickson says, how's it? And more will join us as we make our way through the Alta Hour tonight. Don't forget to like and share this broadcast so we can get it out to as many people as possible. And I wonder when I should tell you what the shop address is for these uh, orange masks. Now, you may remember that Alta launched an initiative called Orange Mask Friday a couple of weeks ago. And I did promise you that we would tell you how to get your own orange mask. I believe they're two different versions. So one is completely orange like this one, and then you go one is orange and gray. Then you can go along to Alta's shop, and you can go get yourself one of these orange masks uh, by going along to shop.outer.coza. There we go. It's as simple as that. The address is on your screen now, and I think Ivor will put it in the comment section, shop.outer.coza. And you too, on a Friday can walk around with your orange mask. This one says, lockdown corruption with orange overalls. And then on this side, as you can see, you've got the, yeah, bars. So there we go. Shop.outer.coza is where you go from that. Musenberg's on board tonight. Nice to have Cape Town on board. And we start our discussion this evening with a Cape Town story and Andrea Korf. If you're a regular viewer of the show, you'll know that Andrea has been keeping us up to date on the Milneton Lagoon project. Some time ago, residents were becoming concerned about the state of the water in the Milneton Lagoon. E. coli counts, etc., etc., seem to be through the roof. City of Cape Town did their investigations and said, no, no, everything's fine. But Outer said, hold on a moment. We're going to help the residents in the Milnerton area and got involved with the Residents Association and did independent water testing, which disproved what the city of Cape Town had said. That was the last time we chatted to Andrea Korf. I thought this evening we would catch up and find out what the latest news is. Andrea, let's, um, let's just go back to the beginning of I got all the facts right on this. That, uh, that's, that's where we stood the last time we chatted. Uh, and uh, are you still involved in the Milnerton project? Hi, Tom. Yeah, um, you are completely correct. That's the last, last time we did chat. And yes, we are still very active within the Milnerton area and the project. And as such, we are still continuing to build our database of all the independent water testing that we have done. And to date, we have received quite um, a profound um results of with regards to specific sections where the pollution is just um, coming from. And um, our test results show that the major contributors to uh, the E. coli and uh, the death of the lagoon at the end of the day is city-owned assets. For instance, the Potsdam Wastewater Treatment Works. So yes, we are still very active and we are taking hands with all the ratepayers and residents associations 
And I must also tonight just give them a shout out because they are, are and still continue to work very, very hard on this project and applying the pressure where pressure needs to be applied. Lots of hellos coming in. People saying hello to Andrea. People wanting to know what Arthur's response to Dudamiani's testimony at the commission today was or is. Don't worry, we're going to discuss that in just a moment. I see Michael John Billsbury says, Hi, Tom. I had my son from Dubai with me last week. I could not, not put that message up on screen. That's a special one. Nice to know. All right, Andrea. So, uh, so, so, so what's, the, what's the most recent developments on this project? What's the latest? Give us a scoop. Well, Tom, it's very exciting, and um, most of the residents are well aware that we did put out a press statement, I think, a, a week odd back. But to share it on this platform, it's amazing. What happened was, um, after we've done a couple of months of independent water testing and found the main culprits to be the city, we engaged with the Green Scorpions, now specifically the Western Cape Directorate of Environmental Enforcement, the Green Scorpions, under the leadership of uh, Minister Bradell, MEC Bradell. And we asked the, the Green Scorpions to officially issue the city with a directive. Because the city was not complying with regards to the pre-directive the Scorpions issued in March, March we, we felt like uh, we can't just leave this these these dogs or the, the sleeping dogs lie in this specific matter. So in, in August this year, we wrote to the Green Scorpions asking them to issue the city with a directive. And I am elated to announce the news that officially the Green Scorpions listened and they they issued the city with a directive on the 21st of September this year. So that is a major win um, to place the city on terms. Now, based Basically, what the directive means is if the city does not comply with the timeframes and the actions stated in the directive, the city and individuals can be held criminally liable in terms of NEMA, the National Environmental Management Act. So that is great news. Just goes to show that civil activism and people working together, applying pressure at the right points can and will definitely make a difference. Now, Unfortunately, what happened is the city did take this directive on appeal and uh, Minister Bradell now has 60 days to answer or to give that or give a judgment or to, to, to make a decision whether or not the city's appeal is granted or not. So we are sitting here with bated breath, but uh, a step in the right direction is a win, not just for answer, but for all civil society. And we will definitely keep up the pressure. Andrea, Carolyn Marx has just put a message on screen and Caroline says, as Milton re residents, we're profoundly grateful for out of support and involvement. So that's a nice endorsement from the residents. But what have you experienced working with the residents of Milton? What has that experience been like? Well, I can tell you now, Tom, you won't find more passionate people about the environment and, and their, their oh, precious lagoon. You won't find more more uh, courageous activism as you will find within those associations and just everybody living there. They're completely passionate about the environment and they've been fighting with the city to, to, um, to bring relief to the Milneton Lagoon and to restore it to the state that it was for almost 10 to 12 years now. So they have they they are in this for the long haul, and it's absolutely been a privilege and honour for for Arta to join in the fight with the Ray Fraser Residents Associations. 
I must say, I'm dumbfounded and I'm dumbstruck with regards to resilience that they have shown through these 12 years. It's absolutely amazing. And it, it inspires us and our, as Alta and as Alterians. It inspires us to, to take on causes like this, not just in Milneton, because as, as we all know, it's not just Milneton's waterways that have the problem. It's the whole of South Africa. Until people are held criminally liable or accountable for their lack of action, this will continue. And um, if you can take um, a page out of the book of the residents' associations there and the residents within Milneton, never give up and apply pressure where apply, uh, pressure needs to be applied. And I just want to say thank you. It has been an absolute honor. And we still continue working with them. So this is literally not the end. This is merely the beginning. What are the, uh, the next steps? What are Alta's next steps? Well, this is very exciting because of the water testing and the results that we have done through through the past couple of months. So since January, our water sampler and independent water samplers have uh, um, collated some reports for us. So we have two different reports. The one report is more for the, the lay person to read and to understand, um, which we will also be using as part of protest actions, petitions and so forth. So anybody interested in that can just read that report and see the damning evidence that we have. And then the second part is a more scientific report, which we are in the process of consulting with our experts in the fields with, so they can provide us with opinions. And um, just, a, just a, a little nugget, that will most probably, and that is in the plan, be the basis of our personal criminal complaints, not just out of, but the residents' associations as well. So we are looking at that. But more um, something that's 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 more close to my heart is we are in the process of finalizing a, a very big awareness campaign that will take place within Cape Town and in Milneton and the surrounding areas. So what I want to say is all to all the Alterians, watch the space, look out for our bridge brigades, look out for, for, our, for our marches, participate, come join us, watch out for us in, our, in, in the, the supermarkets and the malls there. Alta will be very much visible and you can also join the fight by supporting us and supporting your local residents and ratepayers associations. Do you worry about the state of water, aside from the Milneton Lagoon problem, are you worried about the state of South Africa's water? I just think of my own experience in the last two months. I was in Mamelodi about a month ago, and the river that runs through Mamelodi Township was just stank. It, you had to close the windows of the car because the smell was that bad. I live in Veltefrieden Park. There's a river nearby my house. Whenever I cross that river, you want to roll the windows up because more and more every day that, that, that river is smelling. Uh, do we have any clean water left in our waterways in South Africa? Well, Tom, that is definitely the concern. It's not just, like you mentioned, the concern within the Milneton or the Western Cape area, but the whole of South Africa. And unfortunately, the reality is it's us or it's government and people contributing to the pollution. So, of course, it's a concern, and it should be a concern for each and every one of us, not just for, for me not being able to, to open up my tap and take some water or make a glass full and drink it. But at the end of the day, we are killing our environment. And if we can apply pressure and we can hold those responsible for the pollution accountable, that would be a first step. But also we need to educate people with regards to the environment. Is At the end of the day, that is the legacy we are leaving for our children. And 
we cannot afford, South Africa is such a beautiful country and we cannot afford to, to lay waste to this beautiful scenery because if we carry on as we are carrying on, there will be nothing left. So yes, um, I can definitely say, I think it is a, it's an absolute worry, um, not just in Western Cape, but in all areas of South Africa. But it starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with us taking action, making sure that you don't litter, making sure that you don't throw stuff down the stormwater drain. Mm. And if, if the, the sanitary environment is not conducive for you, it, it's your responsibility to take it up with your ward member. Make sure that they are doing their job. If they are not doing their jobs, then support organizations like Alta to hold them accountable. <laughs> so at the end of the day, it's everybody's responsibility and we need to join hands because if we're not going to do it, who is? Andrea, I'm sure you'll keep us updated as the project moves along. Now you've got uh, a few more steps down the road and well done to the team and the Milneton Residents Association for uh, the successful work. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. All right, well, don't go anywhere. We might want you to chip in over the next couple of minutes as we discuss our next topic. In fact, I'm going to prompt it with a question that came in right at the beginning of the show from Abin Seder, who said, Hello all, what is Alta going to do with Miani's claims today? Let's talk about that. And I'd like your questions. If you'd like to put a question to Rudy Heinecke, who is going to join us in just a moment. Pop your question. If you have a question around the Zondo Commission, if you have a question around uh, Dudu Miani's uh, testimony or Yaki Kwanana's uh, testimony at the Zondo Commission this week. Just pop it in the comment section down below. You can also put your comment there. We'll see if we can put your comment on screen. We'll try and put as many on as possible. But I'm looking for questions tonight. Uh, I was thinking, if you, you know, think of a question, pop it in the comment section, and we'll pose it to Rudy Hanneke. So let's say good evening, shall we, to uh, Rudy Hanneke, Portfolio Manager at Alta. How's it, Rudy? Uh, you must have had an interesting day. I was listening to the testimony while I was making lunch in the kitchen this afternoon, and then I heard Alta, 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 and I went, what? And the volume of the television <laughs> went up, and I was, uh, let me use the word, interested to see what Ms. Miani had to say. Uh, ju just give us an overall impression of the Zondo Commission this week. I know that Twitter and, uh, and, and social media is on fire today going, hold on a moment, our time has been wasted uh, this week. What is your impression of the testimony by uh, Yake Kwanana and uh, Dudu Mieni this week at the Zondo Commission? Uh, thank you, Tom. Yes, I think that everybody that tuned in this past uh, three days would have seen and, and experienced, you know, the absolute circus it was um, with these two ladies uh, testifying. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, all South Africans can see that they are not competent to do what they were doing at SAA. And as a matter of fact, I don't think that they should be at, uh, you know, on any board or any directorship in, you know, any company in this country. Um, you know, it is, it is, uh, it's scary to, to, to think that these ladies, you know, that we heard the past two days, um, used SAA as if it was their own private company. They didn't adhere to any PFMA rules. Uh, they hired and fired. They put people, you know, in board meetings. They um, interfered with operational matters, etc., etc. Everything that the PFMA uh, and, and good governance tells you not to do that they went and, um, you know, made it their uh, day, daily tasks. Um, you know, just before we get to what happened at the Zonda Commission, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm willing and uh, happy to, to take any questions from the viewers, there's one thing that we must understand. 
understand is that if we look at uh, state-owned entities in the country, uh, we need to know that, you know, these companies are not there to make profit. It is state-owned entities. We, as the people of South Africa, we, as the taxpayers, we are actually the shareholders. And there's a shareholder representative in the form of the Minister of Public Enterprises. And we are actually the people who should make the calls because we are the shareholders. If these were private companies, they were all being, they would have been closed down by now. So they're not supposed to make profit and they're not, uh, if they break even, that is the best uh, thing that we can have because they, they will need no money from the fiscus. They will create thousands of jobs and we as uh, South Africans can, can, can enjoy the ports, the railway, the, 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 the airline, uh, the energy that we receive from ESCOM, et cetera, et cetera. But if we look at the quality and the, uh, the, the, the people that's heading up these SOEs, then we must be very, 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 very worried. And I think it was a testimony to, you know, for the past two days to see what was going on and see who led these companies, especially SIA in this instance. I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. I'll start with uh, SAA former board member, uh, Yake Quinana, who testified at the commission this week. There were a couple of moments that had even uh, Judge uh, Zondo chuckling. For example, there was a, a story about fat cakes. Uh, and, and yes, if my daughter makes fat cakes or my child makes, I'd, that's where I'd go. Why would I go next door to the neighbors? Referring to a contract uh, that was given to a company that uh, SAA held interest in. Uh, is, is, just, just run us through the details of that, Rudy. That, I mean, that was covered quite quickly at the commission and in the media, but I'd like to hear it from your side. What, what, what happened with this? I mean, obviously, you, we're not talking about real fat cakes, but, but, but what's, what's the story behind that story? Um. Tom, what happened there is that uh, it, it was all about a company, uh, also SOE, called um, Airships. Uh, Dudumigeni was uh, also the chair of that specific board, and Airships is a subsidiary of SAA. There were many complaints about their service delivery, especially at the uh, VIP lounge at Awatambo International Airport. Uh, so the operational people uh, in SAA, the executive team, they did the investigation and they got a report back and they said, listen, these guys, the job that they are doing, especially at that lounge, is not up to scratch. So we are going to, uh, to put this, uh, this specific area of their function out on tender. Um, and that is operational decision. So it was put out on tender and a company, LSG, if I remember correctly, uh, they were awarded the tender, but that was a foreign company. And Yaki Quinana's uh, fat cake story came in to say, listen, I would rather buy fat cakes from my own daughter as from the neighbor who I don't know. Uh, because um, uh, Airships is a subsidiary of SAA. That's our people. We cannot, you know, just uh, abandon them. And that's where the fat cake story came in. But the reality was that the, the contract and the tender award was of such a manner, it was set up in such a manner and drafted that they, uh, some of the terms and conditions were that they had to take the employees of uh, airships and uh, uh, give them uh, jobs in the new company. And that, that was only for a small part of their operations, only for the, for the lounge. Uh, so Yaki Quinana 
argued and said, listen, or, or the board then decided that, listen, we are not going to award this tender. We're going to withdraw this. Uh, we're going to cancel this. Uh, later on, Airshifts, uh, not Airshifts, LG came and they sued uh, SAA for 85 million rand because of uh, this tender that was cancelled without good reason. The fact of the matter is that nobody would have lost their jobs. Uh, I suppose it'd be a better service would have been delivered, and but the, the, the board under uh, the supervision of Dudu Mieni and Yaki Quinana cancelled this agreement and another 85 million uh, of the taxpayers' money down the drain. Is there any logic uh, to uh, what uh, she was saying, uh, Rudy, that, you know, give the business to the companies you've got interest in? It, may, it makes sense. But is that, is, is that improper or does it, does it give you an idea of how business was being done at, at SAA? Where's the smoke in amongst the fire there? Look, uh, Tom, it, it, it boils down and it goes back to good governance. And there's a set of rules that will that level the playing field for all people who wants to uh, uh, get into business with state-owned entities. And that's the PFMA, and that's the rule and the Bible of good governance in, uh, in state-owned entities. Now, uh, if there is a report to say, listen, it doesn't matter who, they are not uh, up to scratch. Their service, whatever they do, it's not up to scratch. We're going to kick them out and get somebody that can do the job. But in this instance, like I said, nobody lost their jobs. And that is why uh, Deputy Judge President Zondo was also, um, uh, sorry, uh, Deputy Chief Justice Zondo was so confused and, and, and um, I think they were used the word flabbergasted about this because he, he comes from a labor law background. And he said, but this is what happens when you uh, take over a contract or a tender like that. You employ the people that's working there. So, um, but it just shows you that uh, this is the way that Durumi uh, Yeni and Yaki Pinana, how they were steering SAA with no, um, you know, not uh, complying with any governance, good governance rules or the PFMA. Let's uh, go to the comments, shall we, Rudy, and take a look at what our outer our viewers are saying. Keith Sorensen says, me thinks that uh, Durumiani doth protest too, too, too much for a qualified diploma teacher. Uh, we've got a comment from Devotion Moodley that says, the auditing and accounting professions need an urgent reform, including the law profession. And that uh, leads on to the obvious question, and that is what should uh, the oversight bodies be doing in this case? What should Saika be doing, for example, uh, when it comes to Yake Quinana? So I think for many years we didn't see uh, a lot of movement, if I can uh, put it that way, from the oversight bodies. Um, we, we, we saw a while ago how Saika uh, fined and uh, um, you know, penalized Anosha Singh for his absolute uh, neglect of his, 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 his duties. Um, yeah. From our side, what we have done uh, is to report uh, Yaki Quinana to, to, to Saika. She's a qualified uh, auditor, uh, don't ask me how she got that title or that qualification, but um, we did report her, and um, it is a pity that you know we have to put pressure month every month on these oversight bodies and say, listen, uh, did you start to investigate this? Give us some feedback, and we don't get enough movement from that side. Same with the law enforcement, uh, the, the law society. Way uh, a while ago, we 
later complained against uh, Daniel Mancha. Uh, same thing. You know, they are backtracking. They don't really want to touch their professionals. I hope that their attitude will change in future. Uh, we have seen that they take that, that they took action against uh, Anosh Singh. We saw that they took action against uh, KPMG and so forth. But uh, I hope that in this instance, that especially what happened the past two days, or Monday and Tuesday, uh, and, and, and the testimony of Yaki Quinana, where she blatantly actually said, listen, um, I didn't, uh, you know, com 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 comply with the rules. Uh, I didn't comply with the PFMA. And that is, uh, um, you know, I think uh, from, a, from a professional point of view, surely they must investigate her and they must act on our complaint that we've laid. And we've, we, uh, in the SAA scenario, we haven't only laid complaints uh, regarding Yaki Quinana, but also Kumeza Nansi, who was the interim and later on the appointed CFO of uh, SAA uh, because of uh, what was happening and, and, and their decisions that they took at SAA. And we hope, and we will put pressure on the professional uh, oversight bodies, and we really sincerely hope that they will come out of their blocks now and do what they're supposed to do. So for you know what, but, um, Tom, yeah. Tom, sorry, just, just on that matter, uh, what Rudy just raised, and it's, this is very interesting. If you look at the Dudu Muni case, that was a civil case, a delinquency case that we've successfully basically concluded. Um, yet, there's psycho of a complaint from a professional body that was basically laid in the same time, time period that hasn't been finalized. And I, I think I think one has to look at the the significance of the tentacles of state capture, and and this is how bad it's become. That um, you know, uh, if you go into a scenario like fat cake selling, uh, and your daughter doesn't perform, why would you get rid of her anyway? Um, you know, regardless. So I think there, there's there's some tentacles still that needs to be rooted out. And I think there's a lot of people that's still looking after one another and covering up. And yes, you, you're so right, Rudy. We have to, uh, I think, get even more organized as civil society than ever before and really apply the pressure. So for the record, Rudy, uh, you've, you've lodged complaints with Saika. That is, that is correct, uh, Tom. Um, and like Julia said, I think it was uh, about two years ago, more than two years ago, that we've laid complaints against uh, Yaki Quinana at at the uh, at Saika. What else came up in the testimony that the, from Yaki Quinana? And we'll get to Dudumieni in a moment. But uh, that wasn't all. The fat cake story wasn't the only uh, story that came out in the testimony. What worried you when you when you watched that testimony this week? Um, Tom, I think the biggest worry is you know just that. She is just totally, totally incompetent to do what she has done. Uh, one example that really, you know, worried me is uh, back in, uh, I think it was around 2012, around there, in a State of the Nation address, uh, former President Zuma said that we, that, that state-owned entities must uh, make sure that procurement, uh, that 30% of the procurement will go to black-owned companies. And, uh, um, Yaki Quinana and Dudu Miyeni took that as law and they implemented it without, you know, uh, contacting Treasury, who is the oversight or the, the, the shareholder representative in that, uh, at that stage, 
And they went on a roadshow and say, listen, all you Black Oath companies come to these, uh, this roadshow and we will talk to you and we will show you how you can take part and benefit from business with state-owned entities. But that was only a suggestion from the from the uh, former president in a state of the nation address. It wasn't law. It wasn't, you know, according to the, the PFMA rules and regulations. And that is the kind of decisions that they took and the kind of uh, damage that they did to, uh, to SAA. For, the other example is that um, they uh, actually uh, basically ordered uh, uh, a company like Engine and uh, Swissport to say, listen, you will now pay 30% of your, or you will take this BE part now and you will pay in 30% of the proceeds that you receive from SAA. Uh, this is your new partner without any uh, procedures, without following any rules. Uh, I mean, this cannot be. Then we can, you know, just uh, do as we want and we don't have to stop at the stop street and we don't have to drive 120 kilometers only on a highway. We can do as we want. This is exactly what Dudumiyeni and, and, and Yaku Quinana did. And when, you know, the kitchen got hot, especially for Yaki Quinana, what she did was just passing the ball uh, and say, no, 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 it wasn't me. The decision was taken by Dr. Dawa, the procurement chief uh, at that stage of uh, SAA, uh, just passing the buck to other people and say, but I didn't do anything wrong. And then coming and, and telling the chair that um, uh, the other thing that really, really, you know, it was like she, she used the word flabbergasted, and if it was really flabbergasted, is that they, she, she admitted that, I, that the board signed off on a 1 billion rand tender without looking at the contract. Um, and just to tell you, I, I, I must, you know, hold myself back here not to use uh, not so nice words, but <laughs> just to show you how incompetent uh, she is, is that, she, will, she told the chair, we, we just looked at the terms and conditions of the contract. We didn't look at the contract. We don't have to look at the contract. We just looked at the terms and conditions. The contract is from page one to page 100, and there is somewhere is the terms and conditions, and that's the only thing that the board have to look at. That is the kind of leadership that we had at SAA, and now we can, uh, uh, I think we realize, especially after these three days, uh, why uh, SOE like SAA is where it is today. There have been a number of memory lapses at the commission over the last few months. That people come along and say, we can't recall this and don't remember that, but nothing quite as spectacular as uh, Yaka Kwanana forgetting about an entire afternoon meeting. Do you, do you believe that? Uh, uh, Tom, I think, you know, uh, like I said, it is a... Uh, um, just trying to, 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 to pass the buck to somebody else. Uh, and if, if the kitchen is uh, too hot, then you say, I cannot remember or I don't, do not recall this. And, um, you know, Yaki Quinana making statements to say something like, Tuli uh, Mshe uh, didn't, uh, she wasn't an honest person. Uh, the, I could see the judge almost falling from his chair where he, he asked her, you say, so Ms. Quinana, you say that this, acting CEO of this SOE is actually assisting a company who's, 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 who's suing SAA. And Yaki Kinona said, absolutely yes, Chair. Mm. Now, that is, um, you know, that just comes to show, I mean, shortly after that, Tulium Shea was uh, suspended. And Tulium Shea 
lost her job and she, she had to fight in the labor court just to get a good settlement. Alta assisted her. We had long talks with her. She was one of the, uh, the uh, witnesses in our uh, delinquency case. Um, this is one of the more competent people that I've ever met in my life. Uh, she's an HR guru. And um, this is the kind of, of testimony that, that is coming from a person like Yaki Quinana. Uh, Tom, I think that um, you know <laughs> we can carry on and on and on. Yeah. But just to come back to something that I want to, to um, maybe you know, plant a seed to the viewers and, and to my colleagues and everybody is that I think, you know, as we appoint or as Parliament appoint an AG, it is, it is a more transparent kind of uh, procedure that's taking place to appoint an AG. I think that civil society, the public, uh, political parties must push and push and push governments so, so that we can have more transparent uh, procedures where we appoint boards. Currently, how it works is that the department, the Department of Public Enterprise, will put together a shortlist. The end of the day, the the minister of that uh, portfolio will, you know, uh, take that to cabinet, and they will decide who is the board members. And we've seen in the past, you know, the the, the appointment of people like Iqbal Sharma on the on the Transnet board, how it was. Uh, 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 done and, and and how the people you know how they colluded uh, to get this guy onto the board and we know we all know what happened at Translate office. So the the appointment of board members should be much much more transparent. Yeah. Uh, Julius, what was your impression uh, watching the testimony at the Zondo Commission this week? Yeah. Look, I, I didn't have enough time to waste, but. Um, just just touching base every now and then i think it is it's an absolute disgrace you know uh, for for some these people were deemed leaders at a time and if you look at the repercussions and the the unfortunate ripple effect that their conduct has had on real people with real jobs um, who are who have families they have to look after um, I think it is absolutely criminal, and um, you know I, I, I sometimes get quite vocal about these kind of things from an activist point of view, because if if you can do something like that to an SOE, surely it must be a crime against the state, because that's that's some somewhat some kind of terrorism, and help me define that. But anyway, um, no, I, I think you know it's it's. What, what is catching up with with these two ladies is that it's it's easy to lie, but it's difficult to remember uh, what you lied, you know. And I think that's catching up with them. And the Zondo guys are definitely catching them out. It's exciting stuff. It became a bit farcical today when uh, Ms. Mieni testified via a an internet link uh, because of exposure to to COVID recently or someone with COVID. Uh, and uh, then had broadband problems and, and couldn't hear. And, and, and just as that started, uh, and the legal uh, team from the Zondo Commission started asking questions, she said she didn't want to answer any questions around SAA, 
because uh, it was her right not to answer questions in case they incriminated her. The Zonda Commission's legal team pressed her on that, saying, right, if you, if you have a question you refuse to answer, will you be clear about it? Will you say that that question will incriminate me or could incriminate me? And uh, I'm not sure whether they got her to, to actually say that by the time I left the house this afternoon. I hadn't heard that. But it seemed as if nothing came from uh, Ms. Mieni at the Zondo Commission, apart from an inference that Alta had used Zondo Commission documents in the court case, the delinquent director court case, along with the South African Pilots Association, where she was declared a delinquent director by Judge Tolmay. She said that Alta had used watermarked documents. So that caused a bit of a scene because what did that mean, watermark documents? Had Alta somehow managed to get hold of documents that nobody else could see? Uh, was it proper? Was it legal? Etc. Etc. So let's ask Rudy, shall we? Uh, I know that Alta has responded to that claim that uh, in fact the documents you began compiling when you instituted the case in 2016-2017 didn't contain any Zondo Commission files, but can, can you run us through that? Uh, run us through the timeline, uh, Rudy, and the documents that were used for, for, the, for, for our, our, our viewers and our, our listeners to, to take in. Yes, Tom, but before I get to the documents, uh, on your first remark uh, with Durumiyeni uh, choosing not to answer because it's she incredible, Herself. I just want to try and quickly uh, 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 to, to explain in layman's terms what actually, and, and, and I think uh, Advocate Kate uh, um, Hofmeyer did an excellent job to explain this at the Commission, is to say, listen, if you choose not to answer a question, you must be sure that the, the answer of that question will incriminate you or will enable somebody to lay a charge against you, a criminal charge. That is what it is all about. It is not to say, in terms of the Constitution, I have a right not to answer this at the following. The, the Commission has got rules, and you must answer to the Commission. If you choose not to answer, you must make sure, or you must be sure, that uh, you will incriminate yourself and that that answer that you are supposed to be given will be used to lay a criminal charge against you. Now, if you... Uh, go back to what Mieni answered today about 340,000 times. Uh, I'm not going to answer this, Chair, because I believe that this will incriminate me. Even when on a question, something like, what is in your CV? Do you have this uh, specific qualification? Now, if, if you're not prepared to that, answer that, then one must think, yeah, do, does she really have that qualification? Because if she answers that she does have that qualification, she incriminates herself and maybe she hasn't got it. But I mean, this is now a simple uh, and, a, and a very stupid uh, example. But in layman's terms, that is what it means. To come to the documents, Alta started off with this investigation uh, in 2016. And I, will, I, I remember this like yesterday when I was starting at Alta, uh, a previous uh, uh, manager at Alta dropped four files on my table and said, this is what we have on Durumi Yeni, let's build the case. And that was in March 2016. There was no question, no, nothing about a Zondo Commission or a Commission of Inquiry into state capture mm. at that stage. We built this case and we, uh, uh, then Cynthia Stimple came along and we actually built the bigger case around the BNP capital uh, uh, issue. In that time, Tulim Shea and uh, um, uh, Sylvain Bosch 
got suspended and they came to out and they said, you know what? I want to share my experience, my information and my intelligence, what I have here. I want to share it with you guys. And we collected a lot of evidence. And I can still remember we built a 96-page timeline from the day that almost when Durimiyeni was born up until the day that we were busy doing that, you know, each and every incident. And we got reports from other whistleblowers. We received the EY report that that, that investigated specific contracts uh, uh, in SAA. So, and that is what we used to build our case. And in 2017, we issued the summons and that, based on what we had at that stage, that was our particulars of claim. Uh, and the three, and the two major issues, or the three major issues in our uh, um, particulars of claim was, there was actually four. It was the Airbus, the Emirates, the BNP uh, matter, and then also the Airships matter. Alta decided because of time constraints that time in, uh, in court that we're not going to pursue the BNP and the Airships matter. We, are, we were confident in our uh, evidence that we had in the case that we've built that Emirates, the Emirates issues and the Airbus issues will be enough to be, uh, that we can use to, uh, for the court to declare a delinquent director. As the case progressed, and later on, when people testified at the Zondo Commission, uh, like the judge said today, you know, they publish, and you can go and, and, and to, the, to, the, to the commission's uh, website, and you can pull those documents. And that's actually what we did, because we listened to, to testimony of Pumeza uh, Nancy. We listened to testimony of Peter van der Merwe. We listened to testimony of Tulin Shen and Cynthia Stimple. And we used that because this was being set under oath. Uh, so obviously, it is very valuable for us. We didn't go, you know, via the back door and get information from the from the commission. But actually, what happened between Dudu and her lawyers today? They had this idiotic stance to say, actually, the commission supplied us with information and documentation and evidence so that we could build our case against Dudu. And what they were implying there was that the Zonda Commission was, uh, you know, trying to assist us in building this case uh, and, and trying to discredit the commission. And we must not be blind for the fact that Durumiyeni's mentor must appear at the Zonda commission in two weeks' time or less than two weeks. And this is also a political card that's been played. Let's discredit the commission. We say that they assisted Alta in, in uh, building a case against the uh, uh, former chair of uh, SOE, so we can discredit the chair and we can discredit the, the commission and everybody will go who are out there and uh, say, listen, we cannot uh, um, you know, believe what this commission is doing because look what they did. They, uh, they assisted a private company, as uh, Durumiyeni called it today, to build a case against somebody. It's absolutely nonsense. Uh, uh, we never used any of the, 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 the documentation and the evidence of the commission to build our case. So what are the watermark documents that she was referring to? Um, Tom, go to the State Capture Commission's uh, website and you uh, go there to documents and you can get all documents, all the documents of all the people that testified at the Zonda Commission, uh, all their statements on that website. You can, you can download it and all of them has got the watermark of the commission, uh, you know, on, on each and every page to show that this is part of the commission's evidence. 
if the commission assisted us, and, and I think uh, uh, Advocate Kate Hofmeyer said it today as well, then Alta would not have uh, uh, you know, documents with the watermark on it. Because the watermark shows you that that is public documents. And, this, yeah. and, and, and uh, Judge Azonda also confirmed that, that you can go and use it, download it, and you can have access to it. Yeah, there was a bit of back and forth saying that if, if Alta had received documents that the public hadn't seen, that would require Judge Zondo to sign off on it. He said, I couldn't remember doing any of that. And then uh, Kate Hofmeyer, Advocate Hofmeyer, said, uh, you know, the fact that they have the watermark on is proof that they were in the public domain. So, uh, so, so, so a, non, a non-starter as far Absolutely. as an argu- argument is all right, let's go to some of the yes, comments. As a matter of fact, yes. Tom. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to add, you know, that uh, we, um, uh, we have got a very good con- uh, relationship with the Zonda Commission, with the investigators there. We've made a lot of submissions to the Zonda Commission. Um, and uh, we also made a submission with regards to, um, uh, or we submitted evidence or documents to the Commission with regards to SAA. And um, I can assure you now that they've used some of our documents to build their case and to, to, to help them with their investigation. So it's not a thing that we, you know, try to get through the back door and get uh, sure. illegal, you know, documents in the illegal. Got it. Okay. Wolfgang Redeker says, Outer, if it is not her, if it is, if it is her right not to answer at the commission, will she be forced to answer these questions sometime in the future in a court, maybe? And there was a moment where, um, Durumieni's, uh, legal representative said that the Hawks may be p- parked outside. They'd heard there was a court order to arrest her. And in fact, they may even be outside the, uh, the, 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 the commission. Um, it, what I learned today as a, as a layperson was that it's very difficult to get someone to answer questions if they don't want to. Julius? No, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, they, I think, like, like Rudy said, her mentor has become quite a specialist in this over the years. And uh, obviously, that's what they try to do and delay tactics, delay tactics. The beauty of this, and and I think I think it's difficult to sleep if you're one of these people these days, because people have been arrested recently, so that wheel has started to turn. And and regardless of Alta's uh, case on on the Dumieni, um, the criminal nature of the the conduct that they've they've done in these uh, the dubious tenders and all those kinds of things. Uh, you know, that wheel is turning. So regardless of what we've said, all the other information the Zondo Commission is going to, at a point, get into the National Prosecution Authority's hands, and they will be prosecuted. So Dudu, it's just a matter of time. Um, and yes, they might be outside the restaurant now or wherever you're sleeping tonight, tomorrow morning, they might come and fetch you. You don't know where. Um, you know, maybe they'll take that Leviathan and back uh, while she's in a mall somewhere. So it's just a matter of time, and we're quite excited about that. But that's all they have, Tom. Um, you know, if you were an honest human being, you'd have said, let's just get this over and done with. I'm innocent. Mm, well, that's what Nasipo Matanzi um, is saying. If you're not, then you're going to yeah. try every trick in the book. That's what Nasipo yeah. Matanzi is saying. No, exactly. Yes. So, so, 
All right. Absolutely. Uh, I think. I think yeah. you know the the nice thing now with 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 different um, with different dynamics in the political space happening as well is you're not a year anymore. Um, I think it's quite uh, you know people are starting to take on your character in the public domain, uh, which I think is is quite a lashing for the sins committed as well. So yeah. Cannot be easy to be one of those people these days. Well, uh, it seems as if uh, she exercised all of her rights not to speak or incriminate herself today. However, that doesn't uh, make you look good in the public eye. Uh, and, and the public will draw an inference from that. Say, hold on a moment, why don't you want to talk about your CV? Why don't you want to speak about the, the, the PMFA? Uh, and Nosipo Matanzima says, yes, hence she's refusing to answer at the commission. It's important to note that the commission can draw a negative inference on the basis of her refusal to answer questions. So is that the, uh, is that the catch? If you sit there and say, no, I'm not going to answer this, I'm not going to answer that, no, I won't answer this, I, I won't answer anything, the commission can then draw an inference from that, that uh, you are hiding something perhaps. Rudy? Uh, yes, Tom. Uh, I think, you know, the best example of that was uh, uh, when um, uh, Deputy Chief Justice Zondo asked Yaki Quinana and gave her ample time and, you know, uh, a few times uh, uh, that he said to her, listen, are you sure this is what you want to answer? Are you very sure? But I mean, a blind man with, can feel the answer yeah. is... Uh, uh, a lie with a, you know, can feel it at, with a stick. And he gave her three, four, five times. And he said, um, but Ms. Quinona, do you really, is this really your answer? Do you stick to that? Let me understand and let me make sure that I understand that we are on the same page here. Um, and it's like you say, you know, he must uh, uh, do a judgment at the end of the day and say, listen, this witness was uh, credible or not. And it's like you say, um, you know, negative inference can be can be made from from their their conduct before you. There was a moment uh, when it comes to uh, Yaka Kwanana's testimony, where she was talking about, uh, I think it was seven hundred thousand rand that uh, somebody who has been awarded a contract needed money. As somebody else said, can I trust them? She said, yes, you've got an investment company. 700 grand went off to a forex trading account. 800 got repaid. Uh, is, is, is that, it, 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 on the surface, it looks like a, a straight kickback. What, what would you call that? This is, uh, you know, trying to pull uh, wool over everybody's eyes to say, listen, this was a legitimate type of investment that this guy did with my company. It's, it's all nonsense. I can, I can assure you tonight that we will see in future, uh, you know, the truth will come out. Uh, that was, in my, in my uh, opinion, it was a, a kickback that was paid. And she still has, you know, testified that I still have the money. It's not grown as well as it should have been and this and that and the following. It's all nonsense, uh, according to me. I think uh, in the remaining minutes, let's move on to Outer's call on SAA to, I mean, on government to shut down SAA. We did speak about this. We've touched on it in the last couple of shows, but I thought we'd ask Julius Kleinas just to uh, keep us up to speed and uh, update us on why Outer is calling on a boycott for SAA. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, Ruby, Rudy has also just touched on it, the SOEs and are we the shareholders and, you know, what they, the real 
purpose is of these uh, of an SOE, you know, and it is basically to enable and stimulate economic growth. That is what it's there for, and um, uh, we haven't seen that through SAA over quite some time. Yes, vanity project. This government cannot let go of. It's a vanity project of note. We've seen the ten and a half billion rand that's being allocated now. Uh, and yeah, the the fiscus just doesn't have the capital. Uh, they they speaking about resuscitating uh, the SAA, and they we we believe that government's actually just giving South Africans half the truth. They're speaking about the ten and a half billion rand bailout now, which is about two billion rand um, for startup costs, and they're retaining a thousand staff members. Then about 2.2 billion rand of retrenchment packages. So, you know, I think I think uh, they should actually review that because I don't think that's reasonable enough. Um, 800 million rand for post commencement to the creditors, and then about 1.7 billion rand for aircraft uh, leases, and about 3 billion rand for tickets that haven't been hasn't been used. So, uh, they they are embarking on a journey now. Um, we they have told people that listen, we need ten and a half billion rand. But what they didn't tell the people is, for the next three years, we are projecting losses. And this in their business plan was actually done um, when they were still in. It was actually still semi pro pre-COVID. So the markets have changed dramatically. You can see international airlines struggling. You can see private um, in, industry now, airlines merging and actually getting good, strong capital partners just to keep alive. And then they are also getting, you know, private private industries also trying to gear up and be proactive on how they can take advantage again of the market. So um, government's been reactive all the time. And the 6.5 billion rand that they are now projecting for the next three years in losses, we project it's going to be more. It's probably going to be in the lines of about nine to ten billion rand, which again will result in lo- in bailouts. So, SA is set up for failure. I don't think there's any chance that it's going to work if they cannot get a private equity partner that can buy at least um, 75% of the airline. Uh, we will definitely stand firm in our position, saying that we will boycott a- uh, SAA, and I think the public feels the same. Now, uh, Minister Pravin Gordhan was not happy with civil society's uh, response when it comes to SAA. Uh, Minister Gordhan responded to the dismay of civil society organizations and some political parties by saying that they don't understand the business plan and that they lack financial literacy. Was this aimed at Outer? What's What's your response, if so, to the minister? Yeah, look, well, it's in the same paragraph. I, I sincerely hope it hasn't uh, been pointed towards Outer. We've tried to engage with the minister in a variety of times. Um, and interestingly, today we had an engagement with the financial committee in parliament regarding the, the budget. And they told us straight, you know, why doesn't civil society come forward with solutions? They always just criticize the budgets. Um, and it was also said in that same meeting, we we don't have the expertise that um, is out there. Um, we need you guys to, to actually participate more. And very interestingly, and you, the viewers know Matt Johnson, who, who represents us so well there in Parliament, um, told them that we are so willing 
civil society and business are so willing to come up with ideas and, and, and give you guys some good solutions. But it's unfortunate that we only get these small, these, these little opportunities where we have to push in so much information to, to criticize what this government's doing. And in that very same breath, uh, the, the parliamentarian said, well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting and we, we would like more of that. But at the end of the day, uh, making decisions regarding the fiscus is political. And this is the significant problem we're sitting with, is it's political decisions. Now, when you interrogate these findings, and a minister like uh, Minister Praveen Gurdan, who I've got a lot of respect for, goes out and criticizes that we don't have financial literacy. I think it is very, very um, telling that, you know, I think that problem actually exists in government. If you look since 2007, this very airline has cost and in bailouts the taxpayer around 80 billion rand. It hasn't made profit. Now, I understand, and this is the dynamics that the, the normal person doesn't necessarily uh, comprehend when it comes to a state-owned airline, is a, a state-owned airline needs to go at a billion rand loss to make a billion rand worth of taxes. That's how they work it out. So you've got your air chefs, you've got the whole chain of people and tourism and, and people coming from overseas and coming to South Africa doing business that contributes in some form of taxes. If you exceed that, if you make a higher loss, then you're not making profit anymore. Then it doesn't make sense. Now, if you project for an airline in 2019 figures uh, to make a profit over the next three years, um, at, uh, well, actually, to, to pr projecting a loss of 2 billion rand for the next three years, you're going to make a loss. I mean, any, any normal person can understand those figures. You don't need to be financially literate for that. So, yeah, you know, I think that's a slap in the face of civil society. Hopefully that was aimed at other political parties. Um, but SAA will definitely fail at the current trajectory and the plans that's on the table. There's no doubt about that. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to take quite a miracle uh, to, to turn it around. And you know what what, what we fear happening is the meddling from government uh, with competition. Because obviously if government then somehow subsidizes flights to make it even more cheaper and more competitive, then you're actually just being competing against private industry who's, who's earning a fair and, and honest wage. So, yeah, no, there's, there's no way that, that this uh, system and project will work. Julia, if Outer calls on government to liquidate... Without any other bailouts. Yeah, if uh, Outer calls on government to liquidate SAA, a lot of people risk losing their jobs. Ha has Outer applied its mind to the repercussions should SAA close down? Look, Tom, that's a good question. And, and you know, it's it's... It's the sad reality that we're facing, and, and I think we can always go back again to the old Yaki Konana, did you mean any scenario? And this is not, by the way, where this started. But yeah, they certainly had a good injection in, in the uh, failure of SAA. And yeah, you're playing with people's lives. It is, it's a big decision to make. Um, from a liquidation point of view, and this is where I think we're standing quite firm, it's going to cost about 20 billion rand to liquidate SAA. Um, and that's a lot of money. 
But people need to understand that SAA has a lot of debt um, that needs to be settled. And, um, you know, it's going to cost a lot less in billions uh, than to try and resuscitate it and, and get it off the ground. So we believe that 2.2 billion rand in severance packages is not enough. I think, um, in fact, the, the people of SAA have been bullied so significantly because a lot of these employees haven't received any wages for the last couple of months. And we just want to push for, for this, this business rescue plan to stop liquidate SAA, pay the people now. You know, you can speed that up. Give them their, their income, their, their severance packages, do it more than reasonable. I think it's difficult in COVID times to just get a normal severance package. Um, but it's going to cost the taxpayer much less and the funds that will would have been lost in the future should be injected in small and medium enterprises in this country so that we can stimulate economic growth and develop real jobs for real people and sustainable jobs uh, that goes with that without any bailouts. I think that is what we need and government needs to be an enabler focusing the tax money on that kind of stuff instead of trying to run its own businesses. Uh, you know, I think um, some some uh, trade unionists, uh, some of the viewers might have read in the papers, have mentioned um, some jargon in, in political space, but they've, they've used the Chinese as an example of why SOEs can work. And yeah, by all means, but what they didn't mention is that those SOEs don't use tax money to become strong and uh, healthy businesses. They actually get private equity and people, they, they actually run those SOEs uh, so efficiently that people want to invest in them. And that's what needs to happen in South Africa. I um, just wanted to ask, last question, pose it to uh, Andrea Korf, who's been quiet in the background. As a legal eagle, were you scratching your head watching the Zondo Commission this week, Andrea? Absolutely, Tom. It was it just, I mean, honestly, as a as an attorney, you are an official of the court. So I, I think as a CA, you're official, uh, whatever spectrum you play. And just to see the level of incompetence in which even Didi Mignani and everybody was answering those questions, it was absolutely mind-boggling. But also kudos to Advocate Kate Hofmeyer and, and, and all them in cross-referencing and continuing. And uh, with regards to your question on if no answer is being made, can the commission then draw an inference off of mm. it? Um, it reminds me always of a saying you have in Afrikaans, saying that still blows worker antwoord. And um, in loosely translated to English is that silence is uh, actually deafening. So um, I think that is very telling of, of some of the some of the questions and the remarks yeah. and uh, things happening at the Zonda Commission. It's just absolutely, I mean, I, I find it entertaining, which is sad, <laughs> because you're not supposed to find something entertaining. It's supposed to be the, the uncovering of the truth. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I, I guess there are moments that resemble a joke. Uh, Andrea Korf, thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for keeping us updated on the Milnerton Lagoon Project. We look forward to our next chat. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you so much, Tom, and thank you for everybody. Keep fighting the, the good fight. And uh, thank you, Altarians, for joining us tonight. Be an active citizen where you are. You can make the difference. And thank you again for this opportunity. Speak to you soon.
Andrea is an Arta Siegel Senior Legal Project Manager. We also had Rudy Hanika on tonight. Rudy is Portfolio Manager at Arta. Thank you, Rudy, for your contribution. Thank you, Tom. And uh, um, I know it's not a question, but I would rather choose not to answer because I'm uh, very wary and very worried that I might incriminate myself. Good night, everybody. Yes, and your broadband's going as well. So goodbye, Rudy <laughs> And finally, we say goodbye to Julius Kleinans. Thank you, Julius, for joining us this evening. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Tom. And, and just again to remind everyone, you can even buy some caps there on the shop. Um, I don't know if you want to pull that, that mask out again there, Tom. Um, lovely so that we'll we can you know, become so, activists yeah. and spread the word wherever we go. Okay, well, you saw the cap that Julius has got. I think go. I, I looked at the price earlier. Oh, not bad. 50 bucks, I think it is, for an outer cap. And then uh, outer has two versions of the orange mask. The address is on screen now. You can see it on screen. I've got to clip these around my headphones. Though. Hold on. Let me put this around my ears. And then the headphones around the mask. Life in 2020 under COVID, eh? This is Ju Yes. <laughs> this is Julius Kleinans. I'm your pilot, chopper pilot. We're going to take off now. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, bit of fun at the end of the life. show. Okay, so the outer caps are available for 50 bucks at the shop. The masks are 30, 35 rand, somewhere around there. Cheap at the price. Get your orange mask and participate in Orange Mask Fridays. Go to shop.outer.co.za. Thank you to the team, Julius Kleinhans, Rudy Heineke. And I, oh, I see the two of them have got uh, their masks on. So there we go. We're all masked up except for the captain. Captain Kleinhans will fly us out of the show tonight. Thank you for joining us out of the Radio Today studios. This show is brought to you by Outer. Thanks to our wonderful viewers, the comments that come through. And if you're watching the show post-live, you're pressing the play button after the live show or tomorrow or anytime during the week. Thank you for the view. And do make a date with us next Wednesday at 7 p.m. The Outer Hour broadcasts live on Facebook Live Outer's page. 7 p.m. every Wednesday. We make it a date. Make some bucks. Stay healthy. Stay happy. Be kind to the people around you. And we'll catch you again. Goodbye from all of us. See you next Wednesday at 7 o'clock from myself, Tom London. I miss you already.